Welcome to Niner Die Hard Trivia, where the listeners bring the questions. Think you know everything about your Charlotte 49ers? Now it's time to test that knowledge. The answer to last episode's question was that Charlotte's first official mascot was the Owls. Prior to the 49ers moniker, the athletic teams were known as the Owls due to Charlotte's beginnings as a night school. Now for today's question. Which former Charlotte football player holds the record for career receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns? I'll reveal the answer in our next podcast episode. To submit your answer, tag the podcast on Twitter along with the hashtag InsideTheMine. Now, on to today's episode. Welcome to Inside the Mind. My name is Drew Fitzgerald, here to bring you coverage of all things Charlotte sports. I'm joined here today by the athletic director of the Charlotte 49ers, Mike Hill. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me, Drew. Good to see you. Yeah, it was it was great to see you at the spring game. What were your overall impressions of the event? How did you think it went? Well, to be honest with you, I think my favorite thing was the tailgating scene. You know, pull up at the stadium and you just saw what, what looked like, you know, tailgating at any SEC school you'd see around the country. Um, our fans turned out. It was a great crowd, great tailgate scene. I know Coach Poggi and the staff were fired up about it. Um, and then, you know, to get in and actually see for our fans to have a chance to see our team, it looks very different from what we had before. There's so many new players. Uh, we've got some large human beings, as I like to say, on the roster now. Um, and we're excited to see what they can do for us. So, now just a good vibe. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what spring games are supposed to be, right? It's uh, it's a, it's a time of hope and excitement and uh, a dawn of a new era, right? And and uh, Coach Poggi and his staff have done a great, great job so far. Yeah, I especially like the little signing posters on the field. I thought that was a great touch and an addition. Great festivities there. We'll jump into the big news today. Uh, Axios Charlotte, uh, Ashley Mahoney published an article today featuring your statements on the Jerry Richardson Stadium expansion. For those who don't know, the project was approved and funded for advanced planning. In the article, you mentioned that the funding will come from the corporate and donor giving. Has Poggi's arrival in Charlotte already spurred increase in contributions from donors and sponsors? And to what extent do you think the team's performance on field this season will impact the project? Yeah, look, there's a lot of buzz and excitement around our football program, obviously, and, and Biff is a big reason for that. That, you know, that's what you hope for um, when you hire a new football coach. And so uh, there's no question that uh, we're engaged with a lot of people in the community uh, about this project. It's a big project. I mean, we announced this thing a year ago and we've made significant progress uh, on this project so far, but there's still work to do. And we know that. And, and look, there's nothing that will help us better than winning a bunch of football games this fall now. And I'm not to put pressure on our guys and our coaches because I'm, I'm realistic enough to know that, um, you know, things don't happen overnight, but I know what Beth's expectations are. Um, he expects us to be competitive right away. So um, it, it helps certainly when you can, uh, you know, be doing some good things on the football field to get the city excited. Yeah, definitely. And that leads into my next question. You know, the Biff effect is real. We've seen fans really excited about Biff's, uh, introduction into Charlotte. A lot of fans are excited about the season uh, thus coming. So we've had several high profile transfers and recruits that have committed to Charlotte, 
but no moment was bigger than Darrell Robinson putting on the Charlotte hat during the all American game on national television. What do you think that moment meant to this university and how did it affect Charlotte athletics? Well, I mean, that, that's, that's a, that's a game changer for us. I mean, to, to, to be on ESPN and, and to have, you know, a guy reach, reach in the bag and pull out the Niner hat. I mean, my, I, my phone was blowing up from friends all across the country saying, no way, man, you guys just got a big recruit on national television. And I mean, you know, what that does is it creates a buzz and an excitement and it really, really validates what you're trying to build and what you aspire to become. And that's, that's what this is all about. Again, for a really young football program to, to beat out some power five schools and to, to really get to where we want to be, this is this is critical. And so his decision was a big, big deal for our football program on a lot of fronts. And certainly the, the PR value of it was was crucial. But mostly what we love is the young man and uh, the student athlete that he is and the football player that he'll be for us. Definitely, definitely. We'll kind of transition to Charlotte basketball with Charlotte winning the CBI, North Texas and UAB squaring off in the NIT. Uh, and then FAU reaching the final four. It's fair to say that the CUSA was more deserving of one or more tournament bid. Were you or other athletic directors frustrated by the lack of consideration from the selection committee? And do you believe the American conference will face the same challenges? A lot of stuff there to talk about. So let me first address the greatness of the league this year. You know, one of the things that I've heard from some of our fans over the last few years is, sort of complaints about the quality of level of play in Conference USA. And I remember Coach Sanchez telling me this about four or five games into the conference schedule this year. He said, I don't really think people understand how good this league is. And you could say, well, that's kind of coach speak, right? Everybody thinks their league is tough. I think it really was borne out by the end of the year. You could see, I mean, FAU went toe-to-toe with everybody they played uh, in, the, in the tournament. And, oh, by the way, we had them to one possession game. We had a chance to take the lead and have to go down in Boca, you know, healthy. We played them up here and Khalifa was out and that really hurt us. But my point is that, um, yeah, I think the league was super underrated. UAB was an outstanding team. You know, when they were healthy, you know, they had Jelly Walker, the player of the year the previous year, was hurt for several weeks this year. Or else, you know, they, maybe they would have had a profile that would have deserved more consideration. The basketball committee has a very difficult job. I've studied this my whole life. I know how this works. So I was not surprised that we didn't get any other teams beside the automatic bid into the tournament. But what I also know is that we, the way it played out, we demonstrated that there was excellent basketball played in this conference. And there were a lot of teams in our league who could do damage in the NCAA tournament, just as UAB and North Texas did in the NIT, you know, and just as we did obviously in the CBI. So look, I think, you know, it, it, it bodes well for the future of basketball in the American. I know the new, our commissioner, Mike Oresco, he, he called me after we won the CBI. He was thrilled. He was thrilled with the performance of all these new teams that are coming into his league. He said, it's making him look like a genius, you know? Um, and I think it's going to be a great basketball league. You, you take those four, you know, by the way, Rice was in the CBI too. Rice had a nice team. Memphis obviously is an incumbent member. They're an excellent basketball program. Penny Hardway, Hardaway at the helm. You know, Tulane had a really, really good team this year as well. You got programs historically who were great in Wichita State and Temple and SMU. And it's going to be a deep basketball league. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I can't wait for us to, to, to dive in and play in that league this year. So, you know, how the numbers will bear out remains to be seen. But there's no question that the brand of the American Athletic Conference 
has better recognition than Conference USA did. And so, and if you look at, you know, the, the reality is the, the, the best basketball teams that were in CUSA this year left to go to the American. So, you know, the American is going to be, I think, a really stout basketball league. And we're going to be one of those teams that's going to help make it stout. Definitely. To speak on that, Florida Atlantic was one possession away from making it to the national championship. It was one final shot by San Diego State. So kind of putting in perspective there that all the CUSA teams, especially Charlotte, were able to go toe to toe with Florida Atlantic. And, and that was a championship caliber team. Yeah, no, there's no question. That was an excellent basketball team that they have there. And, and they'll be really good again this coming year. And look, that's good for our league. That's good for us. It helps make all of us better. And uh, talking to our basketball staff, I know that the notoriety that we got because of the run that FAU made and because of the success also of the NIT teams, our league got talked up a lot and our brand got talked up a lot. Charlotte did. And that helped us in recruiting. And then moving to the American has done nothing but help us in terms of the level of recruits that's willing to have conversations with us because of the respect they, they have for that conference. And it also must be exciting to play teams like ECU and then Temple, former rivals from the A-10, on your schedule every year, right? Oh, my gosh, we can't wait. We're so excited to be in a league with an in-state rival at ECU, and they've got a great fan base and, and a lot of sports, and we look forward to playing them and going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I mean, they've got a lot of alums here in Charlotte, and I know we'll travel to Greenville. Um, we're thrilled about that. Definitely excited to be reunited with Temple. I mean, what a great, historically great basketball program they've had. Uh, you know. One of the teams we've played the most in our history is the University of South Florida. Another United right, with yeah. them, you know, they're yeah. original Sunbelt Conference members, you know. So it's a league that we belong in. Um, it's certainly a, 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 a mix of schools that we have been conference colleagues with for many, many years. And it's nice to be re reunited with some of them and then pulling in some other really outstanding programs for what we think is going to be a phenomenal American Athletic Conference. Yeah. So speaking on Charlotte's success in the CBI, what was the conversation with coach Sanchez about joining the CBI? As you know, all the other CUSA teams uh, besides UTSA joined in postseason. Well, uh, that were joining to the American all joined in postseason uh, tournaments besides UTSA. Was there any influence or incentive from the American conference and you know, how did, how did that talk? Was there any apprehension? You know, obviously if you guys went to the CBI un, and under, underperformed, you know, fans wouldn't be too excited. What was that talk like in dialogue? Like, and uh, how did you ultimately come to that decision? Well, we talked about it probably five or six weeks before the decision day. Um, because that's what happens in, in the middle of basketball season, you get paperwork on the NCAA tournament on the NIT and on the CBI. And Ron and I sat, sat down probably at least a month out and and said, hey, look, if it gets to a point where, you know, we don't make the NSA tournament or we don't qualify for the NIT, which is ultimately our goal, right, is to make the NSA tournament. But if it plays out to where we don't make it, are we open to the CBI? And I'll be honest with you, when both Ron and I got to Charlotte here five years ago, neither one of us were high on the idea of ever playing in the CBI. And that was, look, quite frankly, uh, a little bit of an arrogant bias that we both had from our previous stops at Virginia and Florida, you know, and so that's really where we stood. And to be clear, it's still not our aspiration to play the CBI every year, but I also don't want to undervalue what that experience did for us. What we talked about was that we had a team that had a chance to return a lot of its players next year and could use as much postseason experience as possible. 
and there would be value in that. Um, and so at the end of the season, when we lost that nail biter to middle on that crazy three pointer, the kid hit good for him. You know, we lose by one and we're out. Um, we said, yeah, you know, we, we're going to play in the CBI. You know why? Because this team still wants to play. And, you know, there are seasons, there are years where you want your season to be over. If it's a bad year where there are chemistry issues, you just, you, just, you know, you, you want the year to be done. That was not the case here. I think the guys still wanted to play. The team wanted to play. There was something to be gained from it in terms of valuable postseason experience. And in the end, it ended up being a really good decision. You know, look, if we had lost in the first round, it would have sucked. I mean, there's no question about it. You know, I mean, we would have had, you know, people upset and you can't even win a game in the CBI. You can hear the narrative, right? But look, we weren't, we were doing it for the team. And even if we only got one more game in, we still felt like that was valuable. Turns out we got four games in five days. We won them all. And um, we're really proud of that, 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 uh, that accomplishment. So our expectation is we're going to build on it to do even bigger and better things. FAU, by the way, was in the CBI the previous year and lost in the first round in Northern Colorado. So, you know, there's something to be said for gaining that experience, knowing what it feels like, playing a game where there's something on the line, it's do or die, and our guys respond. Yeah, and I, I agree with you in the fact that this team was exciting to watch this year. I mean, I think a lot of fans were skeptical about the decision to enter the CBI, but I think the payoff was huge. And seeing those guys who had played hard all year and their exciting basketball lift that trophy was really exciting. So props to you and Coach Sanchez for making that decision. I know a lot of fans are happy about it. So obviously you have players like Lakai Patterson, Igor Milicic, and Isaiah Folks heading back to the team. Uh, you know, obviously the whole University of Charlotte are really devastated the fact that Bryce Williams and Ali Khalifa are both transferring. But this is a common occurrence in uh, this new age of NIL and the transfer portal. I've heard you express your frustration in prior interviews about the lack of regulation and kind of like the predatory nature of the NIL landscape of the, of the country. This winter, after the arrival of Biff Pogey, Charlotte launched the Niner Exchange Program in partnership with INFLCR. With a mouthful. It's, it's actually pronounced like they go by influencer. It's just a. Oh, influencer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have gotten it, but influencer. What is. <laughs> what is. Yeah. Now, now, thanks for letting me know because now I know. I kept reading it like that. What is the current attitude and outlook of NIL at Charlotte and how does the university plan on expanding this program? Well, look. NIL is here to stay, and it's incumbent upon us to embrace it, and we have embraced it. I think the Niner Exchange that we launched back in December has been critical to the success of a lot of our, our initiatives here. Um, bottom line is this, when you're recruiting now, particularly when you get kids in the transfer portal, they want to know if they're going to have NIL opportunities. And if you don't have NIL opportunities, you're in trouble. Every school in the country, practically, has something in place and to not have it at this point is negligent. So you have to do it. Um, we're also in the process as well. Uh, very soon there will be, uh, we expect and anticipate a collective that will be announced, um, which will be a, another resource uh, for, uh, for, you know, our athletes um, to, to, to gain opportunities to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. So this is part of the world we live in now. And look, I've always been a, huge proponent of student athletes being able to monetize their NIL. You know, the issue that we have right now is this weird intersection of NIL and collectives with the transfer portal. And what's happening is there's a lot of tampering that's going on. And there's no question that that, that has happened 
we have suffered those consequences. Um, and there's right now not a whole lot that we can do about it. Um, and I don't like giving that as a, as, a, as a response or an answer, but we don't have hard evidence, but we know enough to know it happened, you know? And um, look, I'll say this. A year ago, we were lamenting the loss of our leading scorer, Jameer Young. And oh my God, how are we going to survive? And he's our leading scorer. And, you know, he ended up being a second team All Big Ten at Maryland. And oh, by the way, we were better this year without Jameer. Okay. And so I would have loved to have Jameer. We might have, who knows, might have been even better with him. But the point is, we still performed at the best level we have quite a while this past season. Um, Losing Ali and losing Bryce. Is hugely disappointing because there's there's an emotional attachment there too. We, we love those guys. You know, we, Bryce obviously has the has the rich connection to his dad's roots here. You know, and Ali was a fan favorite. I mean, we, we he's a fun guy to watch play. I mean, he's not a traditional big guy, right? He's an elite passer. Um, could really you know develop a, a really nice three point shot. But I go back to my conversation with Ron again about this. You know what? We'll get better. We will survive and we will get better. If you stand around and lament your losses, you're in big, big trouble. And so what Ron and his staff have done, gone out and recruited their tails off. Um, I will tell you that, you know, there are about 1,500 plus players that have been in the portal and there's only 360 teams in the country. So you do the math. On average, four to five players per team are going into the portal. UTSA, one of our conference mates, 10 players in the portal. Louisiana Tech, nine. Uh, Chapel Hill, I think, had five. I mean, this is this is college basketball. And you know what? I get why some people don't like it, you know, but this is the world we live in right now. And NIL plays a big part in it. I can tell you the transfer kids, the first question they ask now on almost to a person is, what's your NIL situation? You know, so again, you've got to have, you have to have an answer. You have to be able to say, well, at a minimum, We've got this opportunity through the Niner Exchange or businesses and interested individuals who want to provide opportunities for young men and women. You know, we've got this collective over here. Those things have to be in place and they are in place. So now it's uh, now it's time to, to, to see how uh, it'll work in the real world. Yeah. And I think Ron's ability to go out and get those, you know, key hidden gems, you know, he's obviously the one who uh, recruited Clay Thompson. So, you know, he's got a lot of experience and his ability to get people like Trey Gibson and, and Isaiah folks and all those guys that kind of fit his scheme is, is really impressive. So I'm sure fans have nothing to worry about. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, look, Jameer Young, by the way, did not start on his high school team, did not start on his AAU team. So he comes here and becomes what he was and then he goes back home to, to play at Maryland, right? So Jameer Young is another great example, in my opinion, of Ron's ability, the staff's ability to identify really special talent. I mean, Ali Khalifa was at the NBA Global Academy, but he was probably headed to a junior college, you know, and instead we brought him here. He had to sit out a year and then played and, and, and the rest is history. So, you know, these guys, they develop under Ron Sanchez and they get better under Ron Sanchez. His team has... And we're continuing to climb. And look, we all know what the goal is. I'm looking at my office and I see the banner with all the NCAAs on it. And we're ready to hang another one. Okay. And I know that's what our fans want. No one wants that more than our basketball staff and me. (laughs) That's great to hear. Well, let's talk about some other sports that Charlotte plans on adding in 2024 and 2025. uh, 
they're adding one of the fastest uh, growing collegiate sports, women's lacrosse. There's been great strides uh, to prepare for its launch, including hiring head coach Claire Short and unveiling the uniforms. Can you speak on the progress uh, y'all have made with that program and the efforts of the Evergreen Project? Can Charlotte fans expect some new sports in the future? We're really, really excited about the addition of women's lacrosse. It's a sport I've had firsthand experience with in launching when I was at the University of Florida and to see what an exciting dynamic sport. It's one of the fastest growing sports in the country and certainly in the Southeast and in the Atlantic region. So uh, we thought it was a perfect sport to add. You know, it's a sport that's sponsored by the American, so it will fit in beautifully. In fact, we'll get to play my former school, the Gators, who are one of the better teams in that league. They're a they're an affiliate member of the conference. Um, and Claire has done a phenomenal job. You know, we hired Claire from Queens, um, which, is, you know, was a D2 school. They've just moved up this year, provisional to division one. Um, but as a D2 school, Claire took them to three final fours in four years. And so she knows what she's doing. I love her competitive edge and spirit. When we interviewed her, she talked about wanting to compete for national championships. I love that. I love that mindset, you know, and, She's recruiting. I mean, it's amazing to see the talent that she is securing for this program. We hired her two years out because we felt like we wanted her to have time to build it the right way and to build a great class because you're going to have to live with a lot of those decisions. Right. And um, so she actually has seven players coming in this year, our first class. They're not they don't have official you know, practices. We're not playing games, but they'll work out, go to school here. And then obviously the big class will come in the next year and we'll, we'll compete in the 24-25 campaign. So thrilled to death about it. Can't wait for that sport to start. Um, in terms of future sports, you know, there'll, there'll be other sports that will be added. Um, but, you know, I, I'm going to take a breath first and see if we can get this one, this one launched uh, the correct way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's great to hear the update on that. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It was great to talk to you. We heard some great news about Charlotte sports and uh, we're just so happy to have you on. Well, hey, Drew, I appreciate it so much. And, and I just want to add one other thing, if I could, is that, you know, th this has been a historic year for us athletically. Um, you know, we, we've already won six conference championships this year, which which tops our previous record that we set last year of five, which broke our previous record the year before of three. And we still have more championships we're competing for this weekend with track uh, and field, obviously softballs in the Conference USA Tournament. Um, so and baseball is going to be in their tournament. So, you know, we're really, really proud of the history that we're making here. And I think that softball winning the regular season league title for the first time ever in Conference USA, women's tennis making the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history, men's golf back in the NCAA tournament this weekend. You know, just really, really proud of those coaches and student athletes who uh, wear the green and gold and, and, and represent us so proudly. So hopefully they're all making Niner Nation proud. Thanks for listening to Inside the Mind. Hit that follow button to stay updated on all things Niner Nation. You can find me on Twitter at InsideTheMind49 and on Instagram at Drew underscore Fitzgerald. As always, picks up and roll Niners. Niners.